So I'm speaking to Aaron Wahid, who lives in South East London. He's a barrister at Lincoln's Inn, but his first love is Triumph Motorcycling and the Meriden Triumph Motorcycle Cooperative. So, Aaron, when when did your passion for Triumph Motorcycles begin? Well, hello, Andy. Uh, in 1988, uh, I saw Mar- the Marlon Brando dummy over at Madden Tussauds. Yeah. And I have to confess, I thought he was the coolest looking dude on the planet. <laughs> I was only 18 at the time. <laughs> Fantastic. The, the stills in the Tissolds Cafe where the dummy was placed showed him with his Triumph motorbike, 1953 Thunderbird 650cc. Yep. And I just had to have one. And the obligatory black leather jacket too, of course. Of course, of course. So what did you go out and buy? Can you remember what your first? Um, what was your first Triumph then? Oh, it's easy, Andy, because uh, I've still got it. It was in 1992. It was a Triumph Thunderbird 650 uh, <sighs> that I found in the in a classifieds magazine, and it was in Wincanton in Somerset. And it was ex-King's Troop, and it had been commissioned in response to the Hyde, Car- Hyde Park bombing in 1982. I remember that, To yeah. carry equipment to jam electronic signals, principally those setting off remote-controlled devices. And uh, the Ministry of Defence had ordered it through uh, Reg Allen's motorcycle dealership in West London. And they're still in business, and they still look after it today. Wow. So how often... Do you, do you, do you get it serviced every year? Do you, do you take it back there to the same place, or do you... <coughs> Well, Andy, um, with these old bikes, uh, there is one drawback, and the servicing intervals are quite short. Uh, some of your older listeners may rem- remember this because they, you have to service them every 1,500 to 2,000 miles. Of you course. might get away with every 3,000 miles. That's, that's, that's a ridiculously short time compared to the modern motorbikes out there, but it's simple, and there's not much to do, and yep. as long as you do it, they run. So, what year is your motorbike? Did you say it was a 1992, or was it one that had been revamped? Actually, oh, sorry, I did make It's actually 1983. Wow. Uh, it, I bought it in 1992 because it had been decommissioned from the army in that year. That's right, yeah, because that's a proper Triumph then, isn't it? That is one of the legacy Triumphs, a proper motorcycle. Absolutely, definitely. <laughs> what what colour is it? It's black, and it's uh, it got gold pinstriping. <laughs> Brilliant. I would ask you what speed you got out of it, but of course I know it would just be 70 miles an hour. <laughs> Absolutely, Andy. I, I, that would be the normal one. Of, of course, course it would. <laughs> so how many bikes do you have in your garage then, and what, what, what are they? Can you remember what they all are from memory? Or Oh, I can indeed. It's a packed garage, and it's, uh, there are four of them. Yep. There is the Triumph Thunderbird. Then about 10 years later, I, I came, you know, I started work and I was doing quite well, so I bought a a TSX. Now, this was a Triumph that the Meriden Motorcycle Cooperative that also made the Thunderbird put together for the American market. And ah. it's like a chopper uh, with high bars, a stepped seat and a big fat rear tyre uh, and quite colourful styling, lots of chrome plating. Then I've got a Tiger Trail. Now, this was for the European market in 1982. It's the same <clears throat> it's probably, sorry, I beg your pardon, it's probably the earliest of my bikes, and this is uh, a dirt bike that also won the Rally des Pyrenees in 1981 when it was introduced. Really? Uh, it's like the forerunner of those big BMW bikes that uh, you see Ewan McGregor and Charlie Borman going around the world on. That's right. And the final bike is uh, an 
ex-police demonstrator machine that was sent by the factory to Derbyshire to see if they would uh, buy a fleet of police motorbikes. It's unusual because it's got, apart from an electric start, an eight-valve cylinder head and an anti-vibration frame. Really? Which means that uh, these are these are things that the, the Meriden Cooperative were looking to do because as many of your listeners who are familiar with old Triumph bikes will realise the standard frame does transmit the vibrations yes. to the rider a bit. Yeah. And the uh, eight-valve head actually makes the bike go a tad faster, but uh, not that one would be going any more faster than 70 miles Of an course, hour. of course. So how many cc is that one particularly, and how many cylinders does it have? <laughs> is it a single? It's not a single, is it? Is it a twin? Oh, they're all twin-cylinder yeah. motorcycles, Pussy. and apart from the Thunderbird, which is 650cc, they are all seven, the other ones are all 750cc. Yeah, that's a lot of power to have out of two cylinders, isn't it? 750. They must be very big pistons, I would imagine. Very big. Um, oh, indeed. I think the trick is that the cycle itself is a very light, slim cycle. And yeah. the engine, whilst the engine is off, I would say average or modest power for a two-cylinder 750cc bike the fact that it's uh only got to carry a very light cycle with it uh not globs of big heavy plastic and metal and alloy everywhere and a big radiator yeah it, it moves it quite swiftly along yeah excellent so i mean which is your favorite or have you you've sort of already alluded a little bit to that i think Oh, you can't ask me that, Andy. That's not fair. <laughs> That's not fair. But asking who my favourite child is. <laughs> Who's and your favourite child? Different... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. They all have different strengths and qualities. The yeah. Tiger Bell is light and nimble. Yeah. The Thunderbird is a good all-rounder. The TSX is very pretty, yeah. as a chopper should be. And the TSS, the anti-vibration 8-valve bike, is very interesting. Um, because of those features um and as, as said the other bikes have just got four valves so uh it's it, it's always attracts attention and interest but usually among those people who know their triumph bikes yep so i mean how 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 often do you ride them do you sort of you, you do you have a you must have a favorite i mean is there one you ride more often than the others or not are they all equally spread oh, <laughs> Andy, i'm trying Anna. i'm trying here it, it, i would say well I would say that the Tiger Trail is used daily for commuting along with the Thunderbird. Oh, right. The Thunderbird has been, um, is having its engine rebuilt, uh, but both of those are used daily for commuting. Because they're, most of the parts are predominantly black plate, uh, are, uh, black painted, and yeah. not chromium plated or polished alloy, it's, they're easier to keep clean. Yeah, of course. Um, and therefore they can be used daily and you don't worry about uh, uh, them getting dirty or they're needing some polish. The other two bikes, the TSX Chopper and the TSS 8-valve, um, are used a lot in the summer and a lot for long distances. They're very comfortable over long distances and their uh, engines are geared for long distances and motorway speeds. Yeah. Uh, dare I mention, uh, do, do, if anyone ever mentions oil leaks, do you, do you get offended? What would you say? Or is no, that a myth? I, Andy, it's not a myth. <laughs> you're quite right to mention it. As a, I know you're a Japanese Whoa, bike rider. I didn't want to mention that. <laughs> Don't <laughs> hold it against me. Not, it's a charge that's leveled, yep. and it's a charge that sticks. Yeah. Because, not on my bikes, I think because they are deceptively simple, a lot of people like to have a go at uh, doing their own rebuilding and servicing off them. Yeah. And they may take, uh, you may use... Uh, cheaper gaskets or they may use uh, may put things back together wrongly or yeah. use used parts and there is where 
the oil leaks begin because you've got to really assemble these bikes carefully. They, they look simple, and they are simple, but they do require skill. Yeah. And all my bikes are handled professionally now, and they are, they are oil tight, I can assure you. Yeah. Your, oh. your living room carpet will remain clean if you need wow. to park that, it in there. That's fantastic. So, I mean, how, how do you keep them running so well? It, is, it must cost you a fair bit to, to keep them um, up in tip-top well, condition. It's, as, as I said, it's, um, they are serviced professionally, it's true, um, yeah. and the work is simple to do, uh, but there are a few jobs to do, uh, and it doesn't cost me, it costs me less, I would say, than a modern motorcycle to have serviced. Really? It is important to say that they are all ridden, and that helps an awful lot, as you know with motorbikes as well, because that keeps them in good condition. Oh, yeah. It's like exercising the body. Yeah. Uh, when I was a student uh, in my early years of my legal practice uh, as well, I had to do it myself, and I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it was uh, probably good for the motorbike and good for me. I earned enough money to get to... Uh, my local triumph dealer to sort that out. Brilliant. I used to be terrible when I uh, I had uh, my f when I, you know I've had loads and loads of mountain bikes and I, I used to st I used to, I used to we used to hang around up a field years and years ago when I was sixteen and I had, I had a Japanese bike called an MB five a Honda and I used to decoke it while sat in a group of other sixteen year old kids just talking. I used to take a I used to carry around with me a socket set. I mean how sad is that? And I used to take the top off, because it was a two stroke, take the top off and just use a two P coin to take the, the carbon off the top of the piston. Um, very very, very sad indeed. Now, to be honest, no. the, the, the <laughs> So I mean the reason why we got in touch with you, Aaron, is because uh, and why our Asia put put us in touch is that you managed to get a blue plaque tribute for Edward Turner, who of course was the British motorcycle designer in the southeast of London. What made you decide to do that, and how did you go about it? Because that's a massive achievement. You must be really proud. Well, yes, I am. I was surprised that someone so revered in the motorcycling world, especially by the Japanese, and someone who had designed something so iconic as the Triumph twin-cylinder motorcycle, beloved of Hollywood, and the James Dean and Marlon Brando, Steve McQueen, Richard Gere, Bob Dylan, Bruce Springsteen, they're all fans, and created jobs and, and wealth for so many, was ignored in his own country with no recognition at all from the powers that be in his own lifetime. It's tragic. The people who'd done much less were awarded various gongs and knighthoods, and I just wander around London and see blue plaques to, to people who were of, you know, no importance beyond their own. Yeah. Uh, but it felt unjust, and so having read Jeff Clues' biography of Edward Turner and find out he lived only a stone's throw away from me, I wrote to my local magazine of my intent to get a blue plaque for him, and went on a few website forums, such as BritBike.com and the yeah. Triumph Owners Motorcycle Club, which is a worldwide following, to drum up support for a blue plaque. At the last surviving address for Turner, whilst he lived and specifically in East Dulwich in Peckham. And this is before uh, he got picked up by Ariel and then tr uh, put in charge of Triumph, which Ariel owned, yeah. in the West Midlands. So the council had a scheme whereby if someone got enough votes, they'd put a blue pack up for him or her, and with the swell of worldwide votes behind him, Edward Turner easily qualified, beating the votes for even Henry Cooper, the boxer, and Ida Lupino, the actress, if you remember, yeah. from the uh, 50s onwards to the 70s. But she didn't get enough votes to get one, sadly. Um, but through the amazing efforts of the local historian Stephen Humphrey, the project was completed, and the plaque was unveiled by Edward Turner Jr., the great man's son, in the presence of his siblings, uh, Jane Meadows and Charmian Hawley, in October 2009. And that's at 8 Philip Walk 
in Peckham, SE15. Right. Um, it's 50 years then since his iconic track Bonneville design, which was appropriate. Um, and Tony Benn, who'd enabled Trout to survive in the 1970 and 80s, uh, having set up the Workers' Cooperative, he was there, was the last chairman of the Workers' Cooperative, John Rosamond, and uh, one of the ex-workers who knew uh, Edward Turner personally, John Nelson. And they're also representatives from Daimler and from Ariel, because Turner did superb work for those marks as well. John Rosamond, he's written a book, I believe, Save the Triumph Bonneville, was that correct? That's right, that's the history of the, um, the Triumph Workers Motorcycle Cooperative uh, that was uh, lasted until 1983. Yep. Uh, it's remarkable because they came into being simply to save the Triumph Bonneville, to save that, that particular design. Uh, not for any other reason, they could, they weren't, it wasn't just about jobs, it was about saving this design that they actually believed in. It's bizarre, strange to think that anybody would have a worker sitting and prevent the new owners of the factory from closing it down solely to preserve uh, the manufacturer of a model that they loved. Well, that's true power to the people, I think. That just shows if you've got the passion to do something that you can do it, can't you? That's fantastic. So, last summer, you you recreated um, Tony Beaumont's success at the Rally de Pyrenees in 1981 on your own, very, well, your very own 1982 TR7 Tiger Trail. Um, how did you get on with that? Well, um, Andy, as you know, Triumph had got a good uh, competition history. Mm -hmm. Probably the Triumph Twin Summer Motorcycle is probably the most versatile mo motorcycle in history, barring your own, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah. He, uh, but the Rally des Pyrenees, uh, held in the, initially in the Spanish and French Pyrenees, but by that time solely in the French Pyrenees, was yeah. Triumph's last competition success in 1981. Um, and the Tiger Trail was brand new at the time, and it was up against the BMW R80GS, which uh, was the very first in that long line of models that you see a lot of nowadays, especially in London and no doubt in Bristol and Gloucestershire. Um, and they were up against each other in the same category of the 750 and over class. Oh, right. Tony Bowman was a policeman. He was racing for the Federation of British Police Motor Clubs team. And the Tiger Trail was on loan from the Triumph Factory. He won it. It's a very tough, timed trial, whereby you go over very gravelly, rough roads on mountainsides with very sheer drops and very little in the way of barriers. Yeah. And you have to do it in a certain time. And the slower you are, the more penalties you accumulate, and the winner is the one with the few penalties. Ah, uh, right, okay. on the Tiger Trial. That's absolutely brilliant. But the event itself stopped being run in the late 1980s, and it was forgotten, even from histories of trial. Uh, but when I found out about it, because it was trumpeted on an advertising poster called the Tiger Trail by the Triumph Factory, and I wondered what it was. And I did some research, and that was my, uh, helped my motivation for recreating and celebrating the victory. And I was helped by having a friend who was then working in the Pyrenees, an architect named Pierre Drown, and a journalist, Peter, uh, Steve Wilson, who covered the story for Classic Bike magazine. And it was... Uh, Last year, uh, it featured in their September issue, and we were also joined by Christian Ritter, who is a Swiss electrician who also owns a Tiger Trail from new all the way back then, and he responded to my invitation to other Tiger Trail owners to join me. Pierre traced an approximation of the original rally route from contemporary articles that I'd sent him, and Steve worked out a daily itinerary as the competition itself was held over two days in late June, which is exactly when we went. 
Wow. It was evidently a tough competition, and Tony and the Tiger did well to win it. The scenery is as terrific as it is challenging, and I'd encourage anyone to visit the Pyrenees, even more so by motorcycle. Yeah. I used to go to Andorra quite Oh, yeah. my goodness, yeah. yes, yes. It was my first overseas trip by bike, and I really enjoyed it. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So, now, I don't need to be too, too humble here, because I'm told that you are now one of the world's experts on Triumph motorcycles, and even a, bit, a number of Wikipedia sites. I mean, what, what is, what, what's your focus? What's, what's your main area of expertise, do you think? Oh, I, I doubt I'm a world expert. Well, no, it's not what I hear. Imagination. <laughs> but, and, uh, Andrew, you silver-tongued cavalier. <laughs> uh, I, I've researched models that I've owned. I have to confess that. And yeah. I've read a lot of contemporary and more recent articles upon them and talked to some of the ex-workers. And so I'm happy to share what knowledge I, I have. Yeah. Um, I was grateful that John Rosamond wrote his book, Save the Triumph Bonneville, about the workers' cooperative, because that was a, a chapter in their history that wasn't well documented uh, after the closure in 1983. Uh, that uh, provided an awful lot of information. And where I can glean information from that and from contemporary and uh, recent magazine articles and from the workers themselves that are... That are uh, uh, attributable. Yeah, that can always be popped onto the appropriate Wikipedia site and uh, used to help uh, fellow motorcyclists understand more of these uh, fantastic bikes. Yeah. So, do you, would you ever see yourself buying a Japanese bike, buying something like a Yamaha or a Honda, or would that be sacrilege? Do you think? Andy, I think I know. I don't know why. Sacrilege. Why have I even asked that question? <laughs> it's obvious. <laughs> <Yeah>. isn't it? <laughs> So, I mean, you mentioned sort of Gloucestershire, Bristol earlier. Are you aware of um, any particular Trump followings in the southwest where I'm from? Is there anything that you're aware of going on around here? Andy, yes. Oh, well, you're a motorcyclist. Yeah. You should, you should know I, the answer to the question should, straight away. Know, yeah. Whenever I visit, I certainly do see Trump motorcycles, both from the old factory at Moden and the new one at uh, Hinkley, and I'm, I'm not surprised. They're yeah. fun to ride, as always. They are quite different from Japanese bikes that uh, you and I know have dominated the motorcycle market for nearly half a century. Um, but the Triumphs are still well catered for. Yeah. I mean, there's a Triumph dealership local to Gloucester for the modern Triumphs, and there is still a former main Triumph uh, dealer in uh, Bristol called Matt's Motorcycles that keeps the older Triumphs running uh, just as uh, well as mine and uh, keeps them very reliable. Um, Matt's Motorcycles used to be called Charlie's, and that was a hub dealership in the old factories days that distributed spares to the smaller Triumph shops over quite a wide area. That saved them having to visit the West Midlands all the time for yeah. their spares. And as such, it, it retained a lot of Triumph business and stock after the old factory closed in 1983. And even today, as Matt, it's still known for its strong Triumph work. Yeah. There's a place in Cheltenham, I think. Is it Blade from memory or somewhere like that? Is that it may well be. I it, don't. I haven't. That's not one I've visited, but I certainly visited the the uh, modern Triumph dealership and yeah. the uh, dealership, the um, Matt's motorcycles as well. So I mean, what but do I'm you sure a lot of people would be able to handle both the new ones and old ones as regards servicing. What do you think of the new ones? I think they are superb motorcycles, and Britain has every right to be proud of them. They're yeah. every bit as good as any motorcycle on the market today, yeah. probably even better. Yeah. They draw an awful lot on Trans heritage. Um, Andy, I would say the new Trans Bonneville is a bit like the new Mini, the new Beetle, and the new Fiat 500. It 
uh, has plenty of echoes of the old favourites that yeah. we all love and were had their own character, I'll call it that, but they come with all the mod cons one would expect in a modern bike, yeah. such as long service period intervals, uh, electric starting, um, and they're very easy to ride as well. They are, uh, I would say, bang up to date. They're no, you don't have to worry about oil leaks, electricals, anything like that. They are trouble-free motoring. Fantastic. It's been absolutely fantastic talking to you this morning. And motorcycling is very close to me, or it was. I mean, I must admit, now I'm too old, I think, to do it. At least, I'm not really, but I think I'm, I'm trying to con myself. But I, I wouldn't mind another bike. And to be honest, why not go for something like um, World Triumph? It's got, it's got the heritage, it's got passion, hasn't it, as well? Oh, absolutely. Definitely. We're going to try and catch up with John Rosamond at some point because um, obviously he's a friend of yours and, and uh, I think it would be good to get you know his views on and, uh, on things as well. So I'd just like to say thank you very much for taking the time out of your day to talk to us, Aram, and we will no doubt speak to you again sometime. Thank you very much. Thank you, Andy, and safe riding and to your listeners as well. Thank you very much indeed. Cheers. Cheers. Music, news and information for South Gloucester. Show me. 7FM. Well, we had to play this song, didn't we? I mean, this is... Can you sing this, man? Um, well... <laughs> Getting motor running. Fantastic!